Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner Grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about the mega tack the tackiest grip on the market contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at turn to tennis today welcome to hey great shot this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another ATP Challenger-centric show for all of you listeners from Crack Rackets contributors, Damian Koost and Jakob Babro. On today's episode, they discuss the resurgence of serve and volley tactics we've seen of late across events on the ATP Challenger Tour. They also get into Daniel Galan's unbeaten streak in 2022 Challenger play talk about the connection between tennis and golf and so much more. It is a fantastic conversation that we know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, before we get to it, have to give a huge thank you to our friends at Turn of Tennis who support this Great Shot podcast each and every day. Of course, they also support tennis players everywhere by providing some of the best products in the business. Now, of course, you know them best for that iconic Turn of Grip, that bluish purplish hue you see as the grip on so many different pros, college players, local players across the world. Did you also know they provide world-class strings and so much more? Well, if you didn't, they do. And the way you can get involved with their outstanding products is by emailing them at sales at uniquesports.com today. You do so and mention Crack Racket sent you. Not only will they hook you up with discounted pricing, they'll hook you up with free samples as well, allow you to join the Turner Tennis team. Again, we are so grateful for the support we get from our friends at Turner. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Contact Turna Tennis today by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. Again, that's sales at uniquesports.com. Of course, for all of your latest and greatest updates on things happening at other levels in the tennis world, be sure to check out our website, crackrackets.com. We've got all of our postseason coverage getting ready to rock and roll here for the college tennis season's conclusion. Of course, we're covering all of the action on the ATP and WTA tour levels as well as the clay court season now fully underway. And 
I talked to Colette Lewis last week about the junior action as well. Again, you can hear about all of those things over on the Mini Break podcast feed. You can hear from players, coaches, activists in the tennis world on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well. You can find all that content on the website, CrackedRackets.com. But you didn't come here to hear the plugs. You came here to hear about what's happening on the ATP Challenger Tour. So with that said, let's get to today's Great Shot podcast, ATP Challenger-centric conversation from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Barbaro. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of this challenger related show. Uh, I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub, and I think we're going to start from a retirement this week. It honestly feels like we have a retirement coming like every single episode now. And this time, who is it? Uh, yeah, this time, Blaz Kavcic has ended his career. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get to play a, a last final tournament or last match, uh, but he has announced that, that this is it for him. Um, yeah, a, a challenger legend, really, or at least a very much a veteran with 17 titles, 31 finals that he reached over uh, over his career, ranging from 2009 uh, was his first one all the way to, to last year in split. He reached the final. Um, he, he was sort of struggling after that. I think that was uh, one of the last ones that he played regularly was, was April and May. And then he just sort of played a, a couple more tournaments before that was over. Uh, yes. How will you remember Blash Kavcic? Uh, as you said, I mean, a, a challenger to veteran. He was also in the top 100, of course. I can't remember if I saw him live or not. Probably not. But he still, you know, even though 2021 wasn't perhaps the perfect season for him, he still haunted Kasper Zhuk twice, which I, I sort of hated him for uh, at the time. <laughs> uh, split semis and uh, Ron Garros qualities. Um, obviously, uh, sad to see this one go, but he hasn't played since the US Open. Uh, basically, only only played slam qualities in the in the latter half of 2021. Uh, at 35, he he's really had a very uh, prolific career. Uh, also, I believe a, a former collegian, wasn't he? Uh, so that's that's quite important for for our uh, crack rockets uh, fans. Uh, or maybe it was just Rola who was in college. Let me let me see. I I'm I'm pretty sure it was Rola. I can't find anything about Kavcic being in, in college. Yeah, uh, cool. So I just totally made that up. So yeah, <laughs> uh, soon soon enough, uh, Blas Rola probably will, will join him, but but not yet. Yeah, maybe maybe Blas Kavcic wasn't in college after all. Uh, we 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 you know. Uh, I I also can't see anything about it. So. Uh, so probably not. Um, anyhow, just forget what I said. As you said, 31 to 100 finals is, is pretty crazy. Uh, lots of nice memories of this guy just watching him on streams. And well, if if he's got to go, then he's got to go. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've said this before. Uh, I, I never got to see him play a full match live, uh, but I did watch him practice for a week in Slovakia for when he there for Davis Cup, but ended up not playing. Because uh, he couldn't recover in time, so 
I've 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 seen a good bit of his game from the practice point of view, just just never in competition. Um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a shame uh, that he's leaving, but everybody has to retire someday. And uh, yes, yes, we'll also have to retire someday, but it's probably not in like 40 years. So yeah, let's get to it. <laughs> yes, yeah. So let's start our recaps with Sarasota. Uh, the biggest tournament of the week, where Daniel Elahi Galan took the title over your pick, Steve Johnson, 7-6-4-6-6-1, to win his fourth challenger title, moves up 15 spots number 113. Uh, he beat Max Purcell, Jason Kubler, Adrian Andreev, and Alejandro Tabilo before reaching the final. Um, it, it, it almost feels like Galan sort of has these weeks where he just comes out of nowhere for us. Because it feels like we almost never pick him. I can't remember ever one of us picking Galan to win a title. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even like watching him before this year, probably. Like, he's... Right now, he actually improved his shot selection, I think. But back in the day, he used to be, like, a little bit of a ball basher. A good mm-hmm. serve, a good forehand. And, I mean, that's that's that was really it. Uh, this year we should have had him on our radars because even in ATP events he was doing well, and well, like sort of well. And this is his second challenger of the season, and the second one he wins. Uh, honestly, at the beginning of the final, I was like, "Go Stevie!" because of the predictions competition. But then I totally forgot about it, and it was like two hours after Galan won when I was, "Oh no, I don't get a point." <laughs> but but that's really uh, another great week for Gan. I'm 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 quite surprised to see it. Definitely enjoyed him a lot more than in the past. Uh, the, the serve and the forehand are even more deadly. Probably the green clay works very well for him. Uh, I think he also beat Johnson in in Houston in 2019, which isn't green clay, but I guess hard shoe is somewhat more similar to to green clay than uh, than, than the European one. Uh, it's just pretty crazy that that he's 10-0 in challengers this year, and I didn't even I don't think I even paid attention to him in the draw. Uh, it, it also, he's now 80 something points from the top 100. He obviously was much much closer before, but this yeah. this Daniel Gallen of 2022 is probably going to well if he keeps up this form, he's probably going to actually do it at some point. Um, I, I think we still expected that at, at one point in his career he might, because he's 25 and, and has been at around this 110th, 110th, this 20th position for so long now. Uh, but 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 if he if he keeps up this form, then I, I think it should be just a matter of time, really. Yeah, he he has sort of jumped the the queue ahead of ahead of a lot of. Other guys that we were talking about about breaking the top 100, um, where I, right now I think he's third uh, in like you know at least obviously the closest than Varias Varias, and Varias okay then uh, Galan Varias so, yeah. actually I'm not sure Varias is in front of Galan because we we talked about it like two episodes ago that uh, Varias has a lot to defend in May. Uh, a Biela title and a Zagreb final, and I think for Varias it's like essentially. Uh, he basically needs to win the Buenos Aires challenger or something like this. Uh-huh. Uh, like otherwise, he's gonna have uh, he's gonna require a really huge result or rather a set of results if they're in challengers to do it. I, I think at this point, Galan has a better chance. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going purely rankings where, where they're standing right now. Gan is three points ahead of Varias. Is he? Yeah. Because the live rankings. Oh, there he is. Oh, job there. Uh, I, yeah, I did ah, not because play. I guess, okay, in the official rankings, Varias would be ahead because he just drops 22 points. So, uh, mm-hmm. okay. So we are probably checking just the, yesterday or before. Yes, yeah. No, I, I forgot to refresh my rankings from yesterday. Yeah, just... but I mean, it's uh, in the official rankings, Varias is ahead. But they're just very, anyhow, they're just very tight, very close to each other. Uh, Galan has the slightly better chance because he's not defending that much in May while, while Varias is. But but yeah, sure. sure. Yes. As for Stevie Johnson, it was his 11th Challenger final, in which he has a, actually a pretty good record. He was 7-3 and three coming in. He's 7-4 and four now. Uh, his first one since March 2020, uh, which was the Indian Wells Challenger. Uh, he moves up 10 spots to number 97, beat Koyarini, Ratanuki, Kruger, and Kudla. Uh, how did you like Stevie Johnson this week? Very satisfied with my pick. Uh, when he had to, he really produced like the semi against Kudla. Uh, I don't think he played poorly in the final at all. I think Gan was generally the better player. Although Johnson had that phenomenal stretch at the end of the second set, uh, but but generally very satisfied with how he performed in the in regards to me picking him. Uh, I gotta say that I was at some point very worried about Jack Sog, who was your pick, but then he had this this off performance in against Kudla. I guess this was the the Sarasota Open sort of felt for me like I was watching a player and he was doing extremely well, and I was like, okay, this guy is winning this event. And then the next match, he didn't play that well. That happened a lot of times to me this week, like with Sock, with Wolf, with Tabilo, but then yeah. Callan came out and, and and he actually showed that he he deserved to win this after all yeah yeah it was certainly interesting where, where we had these guys like sock and wolf who, who were looking early on like they could be real challengers for the for the title but they both went on in the quarterfinals um but I, I guess it's good to see that wolf at least can play on on green clay which we didn't really know mm-hmm, uh, yeah um, so so now, now we know he's a threat. Sock, we sort of assumed that he would be uh, good on green clay. Uh, any any thoughts on the semifinalists, Tabilo and, and Kudla here? Did, did they surprise you? How did you like them this week? I love Tabilo for the most part. I think the second set of the semifinal, lots of people thought he tanked because he had to go to Belgrade. Uh, possibly. Uh, I mean, the, the first, he was definitely giving his full effort. I love his touch this week, like against Wolf especially. He was at some point just drop shotting every single point and it all worked out. Then then Galan sort of took these options away from him. Uh he just didn't, you know, didn't give him give him these advantageous positions in the rallies where you can drop shot because you obviously can't really drop shot when you're uh, I don't know, at least in a defensive position or at least like a meter behind the baseline or something. Uh, so Tabila was was extremely good, and Kudla just I don't know. He had a very weird week where he was not looking great in some matches, in some sets. Then had this fantastic performance to beat Sok, and then didn't really threaten Johnson in any in any way. So just just very uneven, I think. Um, yes, we, we also had a surprise quarterfinalist in in, in Andrea Andreev. Uh, who made it as a as a qualifier, beating Fields, HRG uh, getting a retirement from Ryan Harrison and Tung Lin Wu uh, then beating him. Uh, he also had to, had to retire after I think two games in the quarterfinals. Yeah, 
Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Andreev? I mean, like, he, he, he usually plays well in these like North American clay courts or even North American hard courts. I don't know what it is, but he had that, uh, if you remember, uh, during the pandemic, there was this series uh, in Bradenton maybe or somewhere where he played Lorenzi a few times, beat him. And back then beating Lorenzi was still actually uh, an impressive feat. Uh, and he had like a crazy win loss record in that summer of 2020 uh, exhibition tour. Uh, an easy draw here, obviously. Uh, he he's always going to be capable of winning against some um, less established challenger competitors. But obviously, with his game, with how defensive it is, it's it's quite hard to beat anyone uh, that's actually contending for titles. We didn't really get the chance to see that because he he had to retire after two games. So. Yep. Um, yes, anything else in Sarasota that we want to talk about? I don't know, probably not. Uh, nothing comes to mind right now. Right, we can move on to the most surprising uh, winner of this week. In San Luis Potosi, Antoine Bellier uh, beat out Renzo Olivo in the finals 6-7-6-4-7-5 for his first challenger title. His first ever semi-final that he reached, his only second ever quarter-final. Uh, this one was a real shocker. He was at 178 spots to number 310. Uh, on his route, he beat Emery and Santillan in qualifying, then Giannu, Caio, Andre Martin, and Marc-Andre Hissler before beating Olivo in the final. Uh, just how shocked were you by, by Bellier? Because you, you, you did mention him as one of the qualifiers, I think, last week. Yeah, I did mention him mostly. Honestly, i not really thinking that he can do something like this but mostly because he has a big lefty serve too, which was relevant because Wesler uh, won the title at uh, Mexico City. And mostly as I, well, I know him as one of the few remaining classic server volley players. And while I don't watch, don't get to watch him a lot, uh, I, I recall that he played that style. And, and that was mostly why I just mentioned him as someone that could be fun to watch, but certainly not do this. And especially after saving three match points in the in the first qualifying round. Uh, unfortunately, the stream for this match is broken and we cannot rewind uh, to see how Calvin Emery wasted these three match points, uh, which would be even cooler. Uh, but, but you know, as I said, I mean, the, the, the stream just won't load for you. At least that's what it is for me. I tried uh, on, on a few different days, but uh, but it's still not working. I don't think it's something they can also do fix re- retroactively. Uh, anyhow, six out of seven matches in straight sets. And with this style, even though it's altitude clay, it it's just, I don't know. I mean, just seeking in recent memory, uh, Descota winning the Morelos Open in 2019 was probably similarly crazy. Uh, and because you know, when Streaker won Lugano or something, that's not that surprising because you know it's a talented youngster. When a talented youngster wins a challenger out of nowhere, that's like you know, that's reasonable. But when a guy that is 25 who's never really had good runs at this level, besides uh, the quarterfinal at uh, Bangalore this year. Uh, that that's what actually you know gets you gets you totally out of out of the blue and uh, the final I was just honestly constantly expecting him to somehow flop mentally 
Uh, I think in the previous matches, he didn't look that strong when it came to, even, even though he was winning these deciding sets and saved three match points. As I said, I didn't see that one against Emery. But against Westland, for example, there, there was a lot of messing around, sort of. And in the final, he was just perfect. He wasn't even broken. Uh, even though he missed a lot of breakpoint chances in the third, he still came back to you know, play his game at the most important moments. The, the, the breakpoint of 5-5 was a cheap and charge. And absolutely perfect one, really. And it, it's it's great to see. Uh, I don't think it would be great if every single person on the tour server volleyed like constantly. But when these guys are so rare, then it brings out, you know, it brings so much variety to the tour simply. And I I love the fact that for the next twelve months we're going to see him in challengers at least from the from time to time. Yeah, it's it's great to see somebody playing a a different style. Yeah. Uh, to, to what you usually see, obviously back in the nineties, that was the usual style. Uh, but you know, Teddy's has gone through so many changes over those thirty years since then. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's really great to see a guy like this having success um, and sort of getting to move up to another level where now he gets to challenge the guys on the challenger circuit and and, and see if they can come up with something for 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 his game. Uh, as for Olivo, his ninth challenger final. Uh, three and six in the finals. He was at 23 spots, number 169. Beat Caso, Oliveira, Escobedo, and Hari. Uh, how did you like Oliveira here? B- b- bit of an easy run, maybe, with, with Hari being, I think, quite tired in that, in that semifinal. Yeah, that semi was probably like the, the only impressive performance he's, he anyway had this week. Um, obviously, altitude clay isn't really the, the, the conditions that Oliveira should thrive in. Uh, but I think he'll be des- really disappointed to, to lose the final because obviously the edge in their baseline games is just so huge that perhaps Olivo will feel like he should just expose it a little bit better. In, in the first set, he was doing this very interesting thing of playing their returns like really soft for Bellier than to have volley them. And uh, it was working out because in, in these cat and mouse rallies, Olivo was always better. And then he just sort of dropped the the whole tactic. I don't know if it would, if it would have given him the match, but um, you know, certainly it feels like a match that he should be winning against someone who's playing a very unique style, of course. Uh, but then again, just just has a lot of his own limitations, like the you know the, the top spin one handed backhand is. I wouldn't say non-existent. It's not Ivo Karlovic or uh, Tatiana Maria, but it's. Uh, it's very clumsy, so so it feels like just this is something that Oliver should be exposing. It, he also has a like we talked about a good finals record for Johnson. I think Oliver has a poor one right now, right? Yeah, yeah three, and uh, three and eight, yeah. Uh, so maybe this is also something to three and six. Sorry, yeah, yeah, uh, three and six. so maybe so maybe this is something to look at as well. Uh, and also one thing about Belier, I don't think we mentioned that he was the underdog in every single one of his matches. Yeah, expectedly, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there weren't really any opponents yeah. that he would have been. I mean, shock run. Maybe Gaio, Gaio in in this current form, but but yeah, m- most of the time it was just an upset after upset, and the only straight set win by the by the way against Andre Martin. How poetic is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, uh, as, as for the semifinals, there were our picks. I picked Caddy, you picked uh, Hessler. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, for, for, for me, Harry just sort of felt like he ran out of steam. He had to come back from a down in every single match, um, which sort of, I, I think, eventually wore him down. And that's why it was a, an easier loss to to Olivo. In 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 that in that Hessler match with with Bellier, did did you feel like um, like Bellier sort of outplayed him, or, or or was there something else that made Hessler go out there? No, I think Wesler just didn't play that well this week uh, as a whole. Like uh, compared to Mexico City, especially to the final against Echeverry, which was like a perfect game for him. Uh, I don't think he really had it this week. Struggled to beat Shang, struggled to beat Zhang. Uh, which I thought were pretty easy matchups for him in these conditions. And then the Bellier one in, in the third, he was just a, a real mess. And I guess this is also like be, because oftentimes when Wester has a very good match, everyone's like, how is this guy not ranked higher? How cannot he be in the in the top 100 or something? And I, I think it sort of shows in his next matches that there's just little to no consistency. There's also not that many layers to his game or anything. So you know, once once in a once every month or once every two months, it's there's gonna be that perfect game that Wester has. Uh, but then these these lulls came, and and I mean he still made the semis here. Altitude clay is fantastic for him, of course, but I don't think he played even half as well as, as in Mexico City. Still okay. I mean, still okay with my pick. At some point, I, I I thought it was going to be a Wesley Jari final to for us to sort of decide who will get it, who will get it, but you know didn't came to be. Yes, uh, I mean, should I also probably mention uh, uh, Yunqing Shang uh, made the second round here as a qualifier, uh, which which was sort of interesting. We we saw him in the qualifying last week uh, beat Sasi Kumar. Keegan Smith and Hadi Abib all in in three sets, quite quite battling matches. I think it looked by the scoreline, and lost to Hustler in in two pretty close straight sets. Uh, do you feel like this is sort of encouraging about Shang going forward that he he can take his claim on altitude clay and get get some results? Yeah, for for matches for matches on altitude clay, which. Probably shouldn't really. I mean, we can't really treat it as a good surface for him, right? I mean, he he's got a forehand that can benefit, but the serve. Uh, I mean, mo- most people will just be really dominant on serves here. Shank would want to be. He saved a match point, I think, against Keegan Smith. Uh, so it it was already tight, but it's still a a very good result for him, nonetheless. And a, a very close match against Wessler. He was only broken once. Uh, which came to me as a surprise. I definitely thought he would lose that one more comfortably. Like I, uh, I thought that okay, Shang got three tight wins, has to treat it as a, as a nice week for him, and then he's gonna get destroyed by Wester, and that didn't really happen. Uh, it's an interesting call that he's playing these altitude play challengers, but you know we'll see. He's also in Aguascalientes, right? As a, as a wild card, yeah, he, he is a very fun draw uh, that I'm excited to to watch. And I was talking this, but we'll speak more about that later. Uh, we also had Zhijian Zhang uh, make the quarterfinals for the first time in basically a year since since Biela last year. Um, beat Facundo Mena, who who we talk about as this <laughs> superstar on on altitude clay. Uh, and then beat Mejia uh, before losing to Hessler in three. So that, that's, I think, a very encouraging result for, for Zhang on 
on the surface. I mean, Mejia is a tough guy to to beat, uh, and so so is Mena here. So, uh, do you think this is good good science for Zhang going forward? Sure, sure. I didn't actually. I don't think I watched much of him this week. Probably only like a set or two against Wesler. So, so countries say anything much, but anything more. But yeah, Zhang just uh, was was so far of his best recently that any any two matches won are are a good sign. And with yeah, beating Facundo Mena, the altitude clay legend, is is obviously great. <laughs> Yes. All right. Should we move on to Barletta? Sure. Barletta, where we got our points, with Nuno Borges uh, beating Emilian Vekic in the final 6-3-7-5 for a second challenger title. Moves up to 18 spots to number 131. His road was uh, beating Droge of Cherenko, Dardari, and Kolaj before beating uh, Zekic in the final. How did you like Nuno Borges here? I mean, we mentioned that this was probably like the most obvious peak in yeah. in some events. Uh, so it, uh-huh. Yeah, it, 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 and, it, and it worked perfectly. So I'm I'm happy with with taking the obvious pick there. Yeah. Yes, but then again, I mean, it wasn't that easy. He saved a match point against Darderi, and I still don't think he's really hit his A game. I mean, maybe I'm just massively overrating Nuno, but I mean, last year especially in the spring. I think he was playing so much better. And this has really been a trend uh, for him this year, I think, that most matches are so inconsistent. Most tournaments are so inconsistent for him, but he's still winning a lot. Is he like 19 to to 6 this year or something, if I remember correctly? Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, it's... uh, Yeah, I checked it yesterday. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously not guessing... Uh, obviously not just uh, you know counting it uh, that quickly anyhow uh, I mean I, I I think he he's really just done it without uh, really hitting what he what we know he can play and I can't seem to decide if it's impressive or not but I think mostly I, I guess it is this was an easy draw for him that really cannot be argued uh, the, some matches were just really wild uh, especially, obviously, the Darderi one. But he'll be very satisfied with the title. Something I'm wondering about is whether, uh, you know, how do players treat this Challenger 50 titles? Because it's such a new category and all. Like, mm. whether he felt like this was maybe his first you know, real Challenger title. I think it might be different for Nuno because pretty much since he's been playing, the Challenger 50 category exists. So maybe for these guys it's it's different. But I mean, if you're Blush Kafcic, for example, would he be would he treat yeah. a Challenger fifty title the same? I don't know. I I have no idea. I I, I would love to to ask somebody about this, and I and I hope I will when I, when I first next go to a Challenger to sort of you know ask the players what they think about it. Yeah, it would be a great question for Nuno, I think, uh, <laughs> just to to know like whether he whether he treated this Antalya Challenger the same, or maybe if someone around him maybe you know told him, uh, what are you saying? You didn't win a Challenger. You won a Challenger fifty. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe Gustav Elias is in his ear, uh, you know, whispering, yeah, t- tearing him down. We will never know. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're saying that he hasn't hit his stride. If he hasn't hit his stride, then I think that's great news because he's he's number five in the challenger race with a title and a final and two semis. 
uh, he's he's moving up in the rankings. So I I feel like to not play his best and still win a title is I think incredibly impressive. Yeah, this has been going for a while now, and I mean at, at this point I'm wondering maybe I'm the one who's just uh, you know, massively overrating what he can do. I mean I guess we'll see. But even even last year when he played the Astoril uh, ATP 250, he just looked so much better than this in my opinion. I mean I don't know. Uh, but but yeah, winning a title is fantastic. Obviously, and and an easier draw, but it still need to be cleared up, and it's going to be massive for his confidence for sure. Absolutely, and it's also going to be massive for the confidence of Milian Zekic, uh, <laughs> who who came in here. He made his third challenger final. His first is September in 2016. Uh, quite a big gap. Then back then it was Banja Luka. Moves up 77 spots, number 278. Uh, he made the finals a qualifier, beating Dumbia, Lazarov in qualifying, then Arnabody, Pasaro, Shevchenko, and Luka Nardi in the semis in a big in a big match to reach the final. Um, yeah, how did you like Zekic this week? I honestly long thought that he was perhaps slightly underrated, but this round was just a shock, obviously, especially as many times as he was down in these matches because he was 2-6-1-4 down to Arnaboldi, uh, saved the match point against Passaro, and 6-7-3-5 down to Nardi. So honestly, he was just at the brink of elimination constantly. Uh, he also came back from a set and a breakdown to, against Nuno to, to level the second set. But, you know, uh, that, that didn't work out. But this would have been just as crazy as Belier, I think. Even though Zekic has done it in the past, for the uh, for the past four or five years, he's been just... He's an ITF legend, for sure, but mm-hmm. not really doing any impact in challengers. Uh, so th- this is just really shocking. He's also pretty fun to watch, I think. With the uh, has a lot of options, you know, goes to the net a fair bit as well, but just a, a very solid defending game too. Uh, he he's sort of just a, a, a very complete player that most of the time uh, it just gave him success at, at the ITFs. As you mentioned, he has he had two finals before he won in Togi 2016, which I honestly did not remember at all. Uh, I even saw a lot of people on Twitter just, you know, writing some tweets where they said that Zekic, uh, it, it was his first final because they, I believe they just didn't even check it because they were like, yeah. Zekic, Zekic, no, obviously it's his first final. <laughs> and, and no, I mean, at, at 33, he's 33. So I guess you should probably check it because maybe back in the day he did it. But I was also quite sure that, that Zekic never had the Challenger title. There, there are a few of these people when, when we weren't really following uh, challengers on a daily basis yet. And the, the, there were a few of these guys, like recently someone brought up, br- uh, you know, brought it to my attention that Dragos Dima ha- has a challenger title, for example. <laughs> <laughs> and it's even not that long ago. It's 2018. I, I would never have thought that. Ever in, not in a million years. Yeah. I, I think he beat Yellow Cells maybe at somewhere. In the final, uh, can't remember correctly. Yeah, Sibiu, 2018. So in Romania, but I mean, still, Dragos Dima is even more shocking than than, than Zekic probably. But Zekic, Zekic caught me off guard too. But he was in the top 200, so I guess it, I guess it makes sense. Yeah, no, I I I remember Zekic being back in the day a bit higher where he is now, like on the proper challenge tour level. I did not remember him reaching reaching finals and all that. 
Um, yeah, any, any thoughts on the semifinals here where we had Luca Nardi uh, sort of threatening to, to do it again? And it's Daniel Kovac, back-to-back semifinals uh, in, in, in back-to-back weeks. So sort of impressive. Any thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, I think Kovac had a, a, probably a tougher draw than in Oairash. Still, I don't think it's like you know, the Zdenek Kovac that we got to know last year, but... Uh, yeah. certainly very good for him to reach back-to-back semis, which is uh, a fantastic feat, honestly. And Nardi, I, I was just really disappointed with, honestly. Um, 7 6 five, three against Zekic is a position he should be clearing up. And that's like, just it, 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 he just cannot really... I, I, I was shocked that he lost to Zekic, and I was shocked that Shevchenko lost to Zekic, I wasn't too shocked that Arnaboldi or Passaro lost to Zekic because that's absolutely fine. But but I think these two these two youngsters, Shevchenko and Nardi, obviously Nardi is like three years younger, uh, maybe two. Uh, but but I uh, these two, I just really thought that this is a perfect chance for them. That this is just easy an easy draw to get further. And in Shevchenko's case, at least at least he wasn't close to winning. But in in Nardi in Nardi's one, there's probably like no excuses really. He was looking so good against Miller and Blancano. Uh, but, you know, we, we had to expect that Nardi will be a factor on clay as well. Last year, it was basically anything he had any success on. Uh, I think in December, he had a good uh, indoor run, right? But before that, he was basically losing in, in round one of every single hardcore and indoor match. So, so if he did this well indoors in the first three months of the season, then it's a fair assumption that clay will be good for him as well. Yeah, and uh, just to mention a bit of doubles, obviously we had, uh, you, you sort of spoke about how you would have this theory that the doubles might be hurting Borges and, and uh, sort of his results later in the week. Didn't play doubles this week and took the title. So you, you've sort of proven right uh, there. Uh, ben McLaughlin played for the, for the first time uh, since 2020 on a challenger. Uh, lost in the... Final to to Karlovsky and Tionev played with with, with Shimon Valkov there. Um, yeah, we, we we can move on to Madrid, I think, or anything else from Barletta. Uh, no, I guess about the, the 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 doubles for Borges. Yeah, it's just it was just amount about the amount of times I've seen Nuno gassed physically, like in the in the latter stages of challengers when he also won doubles. And I guess that's just not where his focus should be at this point. But he should obviously totally play the Astoria Open, both singles and doubles, because there yeah. the chances that he goes that deep are going to be tough. I don't know if he's going to get a Qualies wildcard or a, or a Manger wildcard to the uh, to the singles event, but they definitely, uh, I think they already announced that Borges and Cabral will get a doubles wildcard. Nice. Uh, and to close us out here in the in the reviews, we have uh, Madrid, where Pedro Cachin beat Marco Trujet in an all Argentinian final, six three six seven six three, for his third challenger title. Moves up thirty eight spots to number one hundred seventy four. On his route, he beat Barranco Costano, Chelik Bilek, Guinard, and Carbaez Baena in the semis. How did you like Cachin this week? Yeah, he was just honestly perfect. <laughs> like Pedro Cachin, since beating Dominic Team, has been a different player. I don't know if this would have happened. Like we have no way of knowing that because I, I think he had like a two or three week break before 
before mm. Marbella. So who knows what form he would have been in had he not drawn team. Uh, but I think a, a nice main tour parallel could be Davidovich Fokina, who just reached the at the finals in Monte Carlo because he beat Djokovic in round two. And just like yeah. in the team case, like that wasn't that player that used to win Grand Slums. Obviously, in one case, just, just one Grand Slum, the other 20. Uh, but but it, that wasn't that player. But still beating a guy like this, beating a guy who, even in, in Davidovich Fokina's case, he was his idol. In Kachin's case, probably not because they're like the same age with him. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, just beating a name like this can give you such a boost, and it, it's also probably not not really arguable that Pedro Kachin now has layers to his game that weren't really there before. Especially this week, aided by the no the altitude not as heavy as in uh, San Luis Potosi, but still in Madrid, uh, the serve looked amazing. In the final, for example, he 12, 12 aces. That's not really something you expect of Pedro Kachin. Uh, his forehand was also so aggressive, and I, I think more, more, most people sort of treat Pedro Kachin as just a very, very solid baseliner, which I think is fair because for the you know for for the most part in his career that's what he was, and right now he definitely has some uh, assets that weren't there before, and it's helping him progress. I hope that this isn't just a random stretch of weeks, because he's really becoming a. Uh, a fantastic player that can keep making deep runs at challengers. 11-2, right? In the in the past or nine? No, 11-2, right? In the past three weeks. Am I am I right? Yeah. Five Yeah. And that that actually includes three top 100 wins and nine against top 200 opponents. So it's clear that the, the draws in Murcia, Madrid, and Marbella were uh, significantly tougher than what we usually get if you went 11-2 in uh, Mexico City, San Luis Potosi, and Aguas Calientes, you certainly wouldn't be able to get as many wins against the top against top 100, uh, top 100 or top 200 opponents. So it just even more uh, you know proves that Kachin is is really in insane form right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he has been a very dangerous guy, and I, and I, I look forward to always going to sort of if you can take that form out of Spain as well. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> after this run that he said there, as for Drukhati, his ninth challenger final, his record in final is not great two and seven, uh, moves of 12 spots to number 182. On his route to the final, he beat Genesi, Brancaccio, Ocono, and Montero. How did you like Drukhati this week? Uh, definitely a guy we overlooked, but it was not without a reason. Uh, he was injured this year and like like a month ago, right? So I think it was just his fifth event of the year. Uh, but naturally, he's also a, a legend of of, of this uh, of this level of the competition. Even though uh, he only has actually two hundred titles, which is quite a bit of a shocker, right? Uh, especially comparing this to how he performs at Grand Slam qualifying, which is probably his his specialty. Uh, but but it's not, also not without a reason. It's it's a two seven win loss record in finals right now. Uh, he also lost a very tight one to to Rune last year in Biela, but there mm-hmm. he he actually had winning chances. Here it just felt like Kachin just had a deep in the second set. But for the most part, uh, obviously he, he he was not the better player in the final. That's that's for sure. Yeah, just looking at his finals, uh, a, a couple of them seem maybe a little little winnable. Maybe maybe uh, Chatral in twenty sixteen. Uh, oh yeah, 
that's when he could have won. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, certainly nothing to complain about. He, he's happy to be reaching these finals, even if he isn't always winning them. Um, as for the semifinalists, uh, Carbaez Baena, your pick, and, and Monteiro were in the semifinals. Uh, any thoughts on those two guys? Monteiro still looking pretty good, but then again, you know, no, not playing up to his potential. I think yesterday he had this match in Belgrade qualities when he was struggling to beat Zapieri, who was like injured or something. Uh, but but you know, it's a similar case as with Borges. He's not really playing his best, but still reaching the semis on a on a constant basis. So that's just great. Carbaez Bueno was my pick for the title. I think I'm quite satisfied with how he did. Uh, I'm a little bummed that I only won one point, and that was also obviously the one that, that you won as well, uh, despite having four guys in the semis. I, yeah. I I was definitely, you know, there was this thought in my mind, what if this is a perfect week? <laughs> it, it didn't even look that ridiculous because Carbaez Bayern was probably the favorites out of yeah. the semifinalists for the title in Madrid. Wesler debatable but I think maybe he was, well, was also the favorite sure, yeah. for the title in uh, San Luis Potosi and who else am I missing ah Johnson uh, that, that, that was pretty close that, that like that that one at at the semi-final stage felt pretty close between all four guys probably so so you know that that thought wasn't really that outrageous to me uh it it didn't end up working out but I'm not really bummed because Kachin played such a great game against Carbaez Baena too and Carbaez Baena also saved the match points uh Three match, three match points, one match point, three match points against Pavel Kotov earlier in the week. So I guess he was sort of on on borrowed time already. Yes. Uh, as for some other guys, we had Sebastian Offner uh, make a quarterfinal run uh, for the first time since Rome last year. So basically, a, a full twelve months. Um, Yes, uh, yeah, he 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 beat uh, Oliel and Mats Morang, uh, lost lost to Montero. So uh, yeah, looks looks good for Offner. He's winning matches, um, and yeah, hopefully it's a successful comeback. Uh, anything else from Madrid? Yeah, Luca Pui played good well. Uh, who was it that he? I'm not blanking on who was it that he announced as his coach or something. I missed this. Yeah, I didn't see this. <clears throat> uh, who was that? Uh, that was like a, or maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, just mixing something up. But anyhow, the, it was a pretty good week after another, uh, you know, after a, a short break that he took. Uh, Felix Montilla, yes, of course. Uh, I knew it was like an older Spaniard that, uh, that, that that used to be really good at tennis, of course, but but I couldn't really, uh, you know, point to to the to the correct guy. Anyhow, yeah, he's play he's uh, coached by Felix Montiano. And you know, the, the first week is certainly nothing to be angry about. Uh very decent matches against Roca Bataya and Barterer and then losing to Gerpaez Bayana, but in a in a pretty decent one. Uh hopefully this is a start also just like with Ofner of uh, of a much better uh comeback than than Puy did in the in the past year or so. Yes, uh, in the doubles, um, Slovak champion alert, Igor Zelenai took the title with Adam Pavlasek. Um, his, looking at this, 45th um, challenger title, which is <laughs> frankly insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this guy has been, along, has been uh, on the challenger tour for so long. 
um, playing with Pavlasek, who I, I think he's sort of attempting this this doubles specialist comeback. Uh, is, is is very interesting. I'm, I'm glad they're having success. Uh, also, Franco Kugor, I I mentioned last week as not having played the challenger in a, in a long while, uh, lost the first round to Paranaco Kusan and Bracaccio, so nothing to run, to write home about there. Um, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Zelenai because this is actually a nice storyline to follow because he uh, the the all time record I believe is 48, and oh, well, it's he, held. I, by, yeah, he he actually has a crack at it. Uh, it's held by one of the Ratiwana brothers, and the other one has 46. So I yeah. think that that would put uh, Zelenai at number three right now. I didn't realize it was so close. Like as uh, when I last checked, I think uh, Ratiwana the Ratiwana still had like a very solid lead over the over the number three spot. So right now it's really tight, and basically any any tournament he uh, you know Zelenai plays. Which is, I think, he still plays like a very full schedule, right? So uh, basically, any tournament he plays right now, that, that that's actually a, a storyline to follow. That's that, that's amazing. I, I had no idea about this that he was that close. I, I'm also just looking at just 45 titles. That's an insane amount of titles on the challenger, but he has been winning them since 2001, uh, which is my <laughs> birth year. He's been winning titles literally my whole life. Um, yeah, starting with with Karol Beck in in Togliati and now with with Pavlasek in in uh, Madrid here, it's it's great to see. Uh, yeah, we really cheer you for him. Really, really hope see. Really, really hope he gets this. I know uh, why I thought I didn't. I, I I there was a solid lead. Maybe the the, the because this is the, the, the this is, there is a thing like when you enter the ATP Challenger Tour. I don't know how to call it. You know, page on the ATP website. Uh, there's like a media guide to be downloaded in PDF. And there, when you have all-time doubles title leaders, you've got Ratiwana at 46, the other Ratiwana at 46, and then you've got uh, Rick DeVest at 37. So I think this just, did at least this particular thing, because the, I know the guide is, uplo- uh, is updated every single week, but maybe the, this actual section wasn't. Because yeah, that, that's why I thought there was a big lead. Because then later up, uh, later on, you have Andresa and Horacio Zabios at thirty-four. Uh, so it's Zelenai really has forty-five, which I'm just uh, currently going to go to the ITF page to confirm. And I'm going to be quiet for a while because counting to forty-five is, <laughs> is is actually going to take some time. Then the the guy is simply completely wrong. Yeah, I actually recounting. I'm not sure if it is forty. It says on the on the on Wikipedia that it's forty five. Yeah, I saw it on, on Wikipedia too, but but uh, I I just want to make sure. But it's 36, 38, 40, 42, 43, 44, 45. Yeah, yeah. For is it for maybe 46, 46 or 45? I mean, I maybe I'm just absolutely uh, miscounting that right now. But it's 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 something close to that. Anyhow, the guy is wrong for sure. Um. Yeah, it, it, it actually might be because did they have his money on here? Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, so so, so, so it should be forty five. Um, yeah, that's something I'll definitely be monitoring. I sort of notice Zelenai in, in, in draws, uh, every now and then. Um, but yeah, now now I'm making open effort to to try and watch him on yeah. on, his, on his journey for for this record. Would would be great to see for sure. Um. 
Yes, should we move on to match of the week, upset of the week? Sure. Yes, what is your match of the week? Uh, yeah, right now it's yeah. I'm I'm gonna do this, do this later, but I uh, right now when I counted it, I got to 44. Yeah, it, it's just uh, you know it's just tough to count as many. Okay, it it should be 44 because there's no um, there's no Madrid here yet, so it yeah. it is 45 really. Yeah. yeah, so so that's pretty crazy. Apparently the guide is wrong. Anyhow, match of the week uh, you asked. Uh, my match of the week, I think I'm gonna choose. I didn't really give it much thought, honestly, but I think I'm just going to choose the San Luis Potosi final. Maybe it's like on recency bias, but it was just so cool to see, like, really a perfect performance from a seven volleyer. I, I don't think he could have played that much better. Uh, and especially the way he held up mentally was just a bit of a shock for me. And uh, and I, I had a lot of fun watching this one yesterday. Absolutely. I feel like I've had some bad luck with, with match selection this week where I feel like matches that I picked weren't always the best. Uh, but I'm going with, with Guinard uh, beating Vedasco. Vedasco was my pick uh, in Madrid, 7-6, 7-5. Frustrating performance. Uh, he, he was up in both sets, Vedasco, uh, and sort of ended up <laughs> losing them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Guinard is, is one of the best guys on the Challenger Tour this year, uh, just purely results-wise. In the race, he is um, number nine uh, between Delian and, and Galan. So uh, he's, he's somebody that I, that I like to watch. That's for sure. Who's your upset of the week? I'm debating between uh, Alexander Tcherenko beating Rosol or going for just a barrier again and going for, for him over Wessler. I think I'm going to go for barrier over Wessler because I just thought that in a battle of two Swiss players with lefty, good lefty serves, lots of net rushing, it's just going to come down to the big difference between their baseline games, and it just didn't at all. Um, and I think that's maybe what I'm going to go for. Yeah, let's go Bellier again. Uh, yeah, I, I also have the same one written down, uh, Bellier over Hessler. I, I feel like the Hessler win was the one that really... Um, properly shocked me, I think, because, you know, mm-hmm. qualifying, anything happens. Giannu has been meh, uh, not great. Uh, win over Gallo, not shocking. Win over Andy Martin, also definitely not shocking. Um, but yeah, him, him, him has really made me uh, sort of sit up and go, whoa, this, this guy might actually win this. Obviously, he's in the final at that point. Uh, but it, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it really struck me as a... As a, as a big win there. This is a pretty interesting question I asked to myself when watching Olivo against Jari. Like, discounting any fitness issues, who do you think Bellier had a better chance against in the final, Jari or Olivo? I I feel, I feel probably Olivo. Uh, okay. I, I, I just feel like Kari, if if he plays this game, uh, probably goes to, goes to tie breaks. Uh, potentially, and, and and he probably has the edge there, as the more experienced of the two uh, in 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 that sort of uh, final setting. So I feel I, I feel like Harry probably wins that final against against Billy okay. potentially, or or, that, or has a better shot than than Olivo. I think. I was sort of going back and forth on it myself when when watching the Olivo Jerry final. Uh, just figured that maybe I, I, honestly I thought he would be a much. He, he wouldn't have a great chance against either just because of how solid Olivo can be from the baseline and because of the you know, what you mentioned uh, with Jari. So I just, 
I thought maybe it would be easier for him with with Jari simply because he can have these very off days, and then yeah, the the serves just make it be about one one point here or there. So so I I sort of uh, thought that maybe it would be just random for him, but yeah, uh, it turned out that he played. Yeah. Uh-huh. It turned out that he played Olivo, so yeah, definitely also possible. Um, yes, should we go to our previews here? Sure. Yes, previewing four events for next week. Uh, we're currently set at 5-5. Five, five. Uh, neck and neck, but we're finally getting some on the board uh, after a drier spell to begin the year. Um, yes, let's start in Tallahassee. Um, right, as I pull up the straw. Yes, everything is, is a challenger 80 this year, so uh, this year, this week. <laughs> Uh, yes, Tallahassee, where Thomas Martin Echeverri is the top seed. I'm really interested to to what, what, what as to what he does this week. Uh, just on green clay in, in America, he he plays sort of different guys that he doesn't get to usually face. I'm really interested in how how Echeverri plays this week. He starts against Jason Jung, uh, and then plays Michael Moore or Sumit Nagal in the second round. Also in a section is Thomas Barrios Vera playing Ram Kumara Ramanathan. Winner plays Alexander Kovacevic or a qualifier. Second section, Daniel Elahi Galan, the man in four coming, coming in, uh, plays Andrea Cuiarini, winner face Alex Ribakov or Jason Kubler. Then we have Tennis Sandgren playing Gonzalo Lama, winner faces Yosuke Watanuki or a qualifier. Third section, Emilio Gomez plays a qualifier um, and then faces uh, Tunglin Wu or Antoine Cornut Chauvin. Um, also in the section, Mitchell Kruger plays Nicolas Moran del Boran. Winner plays Christian Harrison or Prashnish Gunetvaran. Final section, an interesting one with the seeds here. Steve Johnson plays Zhijian Zhang. Uh, winner faces Yevgeny Donskoy or qualifier. And JJ Wolf plays a qualifier and then faces Alexander Richard or another qualifier. Uh, who do you like here in Tallahassee? Yeah, um, as for the qualities, there's Donald Young, of course, always dangerous. <laughs> there's the match between Galadno and Fees that, that could be very interesting today. Um, mm-hmm. There's also Gies Brower, who has to be mentioned after the Houston uh, quarterfinal run, also the second round at uh, Sarasota last week, but he was just really smashed off the court by Sok. Um, not sure what to think about this one because, well, Sok was just playing so well. So maybe it's it's not really a relevant result at all. Yeah, as you said, Thomas Martinez Javeri is quite an interesting thing to see here. I think he was probably signed up for this like before he broke the top 100. On yeah. I personally, I would much rather he went to Europe earlier, try to mm-hmm. just get ready for Roland Garros, but you know, he he chose to he chose to play here. Um, I don't know if he's my pick yet. <laughs> There's Galan, of course, but I don't like going for back-to-back winners, even though his draw is really good. And I'm seriously considering going Galan again, actually. Uh, but there's always the chance that he withdraws or something. Uh, I'm excited for this one, the, the first round match between Kruger and Moreno Dalboran as well, but I don't know if if any, if either of them is actually like a decent pick. Steve Johnson again, like both Johnson and Gallen are are very serious candidates here. Wolf could be as well. Uh, that that bottom section has a lot of qualifiers, so that, that will also really, uh, sh- you know, shake it up, and de- it will actually depend on on that as well. 
Um, I, I'm really excited to see Antoine Cornochevin as well. He only played one event this year because he's in college right now and just you know just randomly showing up on the on the professional tour from time to time. But last time I, I saw him last year was he was actually looking quite talented and also doing really well in college. I think he was like a star uh, star draft uh, when he when he was added to the country what team uh, last year. Anyhow, um, when it comes to the, the winners, I, I am really tempted to go for either Gallon or Johnson again because their draws are nice and it just comes down to whether I trust that they will play this. Uh, I don't know why I'm not looking at the Cheveri. I don't know, something about this, like green clay, maybe maybe something will, uh, will just mess him up in some way. I don't know. Uh, let's go with Gallon just because he's younger than Johnson, <laughs> if that makes sense. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy uh, because I am picking Thomas Martinez. Yeah. yeah uh, I, I knew we were going to pick Echeverry. And I get to be unblocked this time. He, he, look, um, would it be probably better for him down, like, you know, down the, down the road to go to Europe? Uh, probably, but instead he comes to Florida, uh, and then well, uh, Georgia, I think that's where Savannah is. Yeah, uh, he's also signed up for after this. He, he has Jason Jung, Michael Moe, Sumina Gal. I, I, I like the first two rounds. Um, I, I quite like him to, to go deep here. Uh, Barrios Vera, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit concerned, but not, not fully. And then the other section with, with Galan, will Galan be tired by the semifinals? Possibly. Um, Sandgren is out of form. I, I sort of like his half overall. Uh, I don't see a reason why I, why I wouldn't go at Chavetti here. Probably, oh, I you think know, uh-huh. clay is, is, is weird, um, but <laughs> I think that he'll deal with it. Yeah, I think we're also getting Mike Cation again uh, this week. Yes. Because uh, last week we had a different commentator on the, uh, on the Sarasota event, uh, Brian Fenley. And I saw Mike tweeting that he was flying to Tallahassee. So I'm assuming he's flying to Tallahassee to, uh, to do commentary on this event, not to, I don't know, visit his relatives or something. Yeah, the Tallahassee vacation. He just doesn't show up to the tournament at all. He just, you know. Florida is a, it's a very good vacation, vacation spot. So. Possibly. I, I, I don't think I've been to Tallahassee when I, when I lived in Florida. It's warm for sure. <laughs> well, yeah, it's definitely warm. It's, it's not one of the like the most popular spots. Yeah, it's, it's the capital, right, of, of Florida, I think. So could be. I mean, the the American state capital. Yeah, I know. They're, they're they're mostly not the yeah. not the biggest cities here. You know. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Let's move on to Aguascalientes, uh, where we have Andre Martin, the one, the only, playing a qualifier, uh, and then he faces either Bernard Tomic <laughs> or you. <laughs> I am. This is the match of the year for me. I'm so excited for this. I yeah. Words cannot express how incredibly hyped I am for this matchup. It's it's eight thirty to, uh, uh, today, uh, my time. I am so excited. For- <laughs> what eight thirty two? Yeah, you know eight 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 thirty p.m. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, very excited. Uh, also in the section, Timon Reitovan plays Philip Christian Gianu. Winner faces Nicola Kuhn or qualifier. Uh, second section, Mark Andrea Hessler plays Viktor Brasovic. Uh, then uh, winner faces Goncalo Oliveira or Nicolas Mejia. Um, also, we, we have Jake Clark playing Yuichi Sugita. 
uh, winner faces Julian Lenz or Arthur Gazzola. Third section, Ernesto Escobedo plays Gerald Meltzer. Uh, winner faces Steven Diaz or Rinky Hijikata. Federico Gallo plays Paul Jubb. Winner faces Antoine Bellier in with a special exempt. Uh, or Denis Istomin. Final section, Nicolas Cari plays Diego Valderas. Uh, winner faces a qualifier. Then Juan Bofikovic plays a qualifier. Uh, winner faces Rodrigo Pacheco Mendes or another qualifier. Who do you like here in Aguas Calientes? Yeah, when it comes to the qualities, there's a lot of guys, but can they actually, you know, do that well? Emery Ayupovic is a is a pretty interesting for a final qualifying round matchup. There's Malik Malik Jaziri as well. Yeah, uh, which is quite surprising to see in the in, in the qualities here. Um, I honestly am looking when when it comes to this draw, I'm just mo- mostly looking at the same players. Like Wessler and Jari again, probably. Not at Antoine Bellier, just because I think winning so many close matches is impossible to maintain in the long run. Uh, Escobedo played decently well, but it's still altitude clay, and he did, he faces Gerard Mertzer in the, in the first round, which is really tough. There's also Tim van Rijthoven, who really probably deserves a second thought. Uh, he's good on uh, faster surfaces, of course. His serve should work fine here. I don't know. I mean, he lost to Gianno this year, but that was the, the one where he was just really physically out. Uh, and then the, the top half, I mean, it, it's not that easy when you have to play Kuhn potentially in the second round, then someone Andre out of Martin. Like, Martin isn't actually bad on altitude play. <laughs> yeah. Even last week, that was one of the, the, the better ones Martin has had in a while. He won San Luis Potosi once. Five years ago, I think. So uh, I I just don't really like the draw for Van Rijthoven that much. And I'm basically debating between Jari and Wessler. And Jari seems like a better pick, mostly because he faces an, well, an easier opponent first round, but it's not, not what I'm really thinking of. Like the, the fact that he has this section with so many qualifiers. Uh, Fikovic is, is pretty dangerous. Pacheco Mendes, the, the 16-year-old Mexican, played pretty decent match against clear junior uh, last week uh, but i'm basically hoping that jerry uh, had some rest and is going to just eat this tournament so i'm gonna go with nicholas jerry yeah i i'm i'm thinking about it um obviously harry his uh section is the easiest one by far so many qualifiers that you don't really have to worry about uh, because of who's in the qualifying draw there. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll match up against you. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, Team Andreitoven here. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you know what? Giano uh, didn't impress me last week. Kuhn is sort of. I don't know. I, I see him as as middle of the road, the sort of uh, mediocre challenger player. Um, Martin, Tomik, Shang, I'm not particularly worried about, so I feel like he has a pretty... I, I, I actually quite like the section for him. Um, yeah, Van Rijthoven for me. Yeah, I think there were like three pretty strong picks here, and it's it's quite hard to decide which which one of them to go for, yeah. Yeah, uh, Hissler, I, I don't particularly trust. Uh, mm, can't blame you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Uh, next up, uh, let's go to split. 
where we have um, Zdenek Kolaj as the top seed playing Duya Dukovic. What a cracker right, right, right at the top. Um, winner faces a qualifier. Then we have Tomas Fabiano playing Borna Koyo. Winner faces Andrea Arnaboldi or Dino Prismic. Second section, Christopher O'Connor plays Gregor Barrer. Winner faces Lukáš Klein or Andrei Kuznetsov. Uh, then we have Kacper Žuk playing Mili Políčák. Winner faces Blaž Rola or Luka Mikrut. Third section, Altok Čelibiak plays Ricardo Bonadio. Winner faces Nerman Fatic or Qualifier. Uh, then Enzo Kako plays Yela Cells. Winner faces a qualifier. Final section, uh, Nikola Milojevic plays Antoine Huang. Winner faces Milan Jekic or, uh, or a qualifier. Uh, then Marko Druhejt, he was a special exempt, but is also seeded. I don't know quite how that works. Uh, plays Jean Borpiroz. Uh, you know uh, what? I think I know because uh, he wasn't signed up for the qualies in Split. He was signed up for the qualies in Belgrade, I think. Oh, okay. All right. I yes. didn't know it worked that way. Uh, but apparently it does, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so he gets to play John Borpiroz, uh, and then the winner faces Mirza Basic or Jeffrey Blancano. Who do you like here in Split? Uh, it's a tough call, really, so I'm going to definitely start from the qualifying, where there's Luca Nardi. Yeah, quite, that's, quite surprising that's to see. Yeah, and if anyone had any like feelings that Nardi was maybe not giving his best best effort in the semis, which I saw, but you know, these sentiments, um, you know, you, you see them on Twitter after almost every match. <laughs> but anyhow, he was also playing for a special exam then on on Saturday. Uh, anyhow, against Zekic. Anyhow, there's also Alexander Shevchenko who's playing Luka Vonash. That's that's a pretty interesting final qualifying matchup. Uh, Michalski Arnaldi looked very tasty, but Arnaldi actually won it just losing just three games. And there's also Mate Valkus, who uh, recently reached the quarters at uh, Sanremo, was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, anyhow, coming back to the draw, uh, Zdenek Kolaj, Dujaj Dukovic, I definitely don't want to pick the Czech, even though recently he's been doing quite well. Uh, I want to see how Dino Prismic does against Arnaboldi. He had that very good run in Zadar where he defeated Istomin and um, lost a tight one to Koboli. He also uh, finished runner-up at the 15k uh, the next week, uh, the, the week after, I mean. Uh, so he's uh, he, he's 16 and, and quite talented, it seems. Um, I mean, Kasper Zhuk has a decent draw, but I really don't trust him at this point in time. Uh, he's just He's just not playing well. He's uh, hasn't been in in a while, even though he reached that final in Biel or Lugano. I don't remember now. Biel, right? Uh, and then Klein Kuznetsov is a is, is a pretty interesting matchup, but it's not just not a section I want to pick out of at all. I honestly am considering something that's perhaps a bit stupid, but oh, in a, yeah, okay, yeah, of course I'm gonna do it. Ricardo Bonaglio, let's go. He's playing Chelik Bilek, who's pretty awful on clay, from what I remember. Even though he trained a lot in Germany, I don't think I don't think his clay game is up to par. Uh, and other than that, it's a really good draw for him. So I'm gonna go with Ricardo Bonadio. It's yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess I could argue with the Chelik Bilek was the great last week. Um, it's just fascinating your obsession. <laughs> <laughs> 
Van Diel. I uh, just like Van Henders a lot, and he's is really beautiful. I mean, the 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 guy hasn't had back to back wins on the Challenger circuit since February. Um, twenty four twenty four nine for the year. Yes, yeah, he he, but but I feel like that's that's a bit padded with some of the ITFs in there, maybe. Yeah, it uh, is, of course, of course, yeah. But, yeah, I actually forgot that he retired in that match against Shevchenko last week. That's, oh, yeah. Well, that makes my that makes my now. pick a little weaker, yeah. But he's still a, a favorite against Chalik Milak, of course. No, yeah, um, I mean, I, I, and, and he absolutely ate up Rodionov last week. Like that, yeah. was, that was brutal. Six love six two. He actually has a three and record against Rodionov. Never dropped a set to him. Always on clay, uh, yeah. But that yeah, that, that always, explains always, it. Really. Yeah, I think uh, that, that really explains it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Chelly be like, yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm definitely not picking Bonadio. Um, I, I I thought about pulling the trigger on Casper Juk, um, just because the first two rounds I think are quite yeah. nice. But I'm gonna go for a different one, maybe a bit controversial of, of a pick. I'm going Jean Borpiroz, uh, hoping that Ruhaiti is is tired um, from last week. And then if if, if he beats Tronchetti, I, I quite like the section for him because Basic Balkano, I'm not particularly worried. Milojevic, I just long-term don't trust. He's also lost five in a row um, since the Rosetta Deli Abruzzi. So, yeah, for, for, for Piroš, once he gets out of that first round, which I think can, could be quite tough, um, I, I like him to make the semis if he wins the first round. Yeah, I like I like that pick too. I, I I looked at like you know initially you look at the seeds and then you start noticing some other guys. So I I saw Trumheriti and I was like, oh, Pirosh is there, and and I, and I had this a little bit of a thought uh, in my mind that maybe maybe Pirosh is a pick too. But w- you know, once I saw Bonadio in the draw, I was like, yeah, this is my guy. Yes, uh, and to close us out, we go to Prague uh, with Daniel Altmaier. As the top seed playing Martin Krumich, winner faces Jonas Foretek or a qualifier. Uh, then we have Yuri Rodionov playing Robin Hase, winner faces Sebastian Offner or Constant Lestien. Uh, next we have Chun Sin Tseng. Um, yes, uh, next we have Chun Sin Tseng playing qualifier. Uh, then he could face another qualifier in the second round because it's you know he's surrounded by qualifiers. Uh, then it's Novak plays Evgeny Karlovsky, uh, winner faces Joao Dominguez or Javier Barranco Cosano. Third section, Luca Pui plays a qualifier, winner faces Ryan Peniston or Lorenzo Giustino. Then we have Dmitry Popko, bumped up as the ninth seed uh, after Copriva withdrew. He plays a qualifier and then uh, either Dalibor Sucina or another qualifier. Final section, quite stacked <laughs> looking at it. Uh, Mats Morang plays Maximilian Materer, winner faces Lukács Rosol or Filip Horansky, who I think they're playing doubles together uh, this week. Uh, and then Tomasz Machac, who I didn't realize I had actually had this drop in the rankings, number 152, uh, plays Mikhail Verbensky. Rosol and Horansky? But, or did, did I make that up? I, I thought yeah, they might have been. Neither is in the doubles draw, I see. Who was I thinking of? I don't know. That's wild. Never mind. I I, I was almost certain that I saw them in the doubles. Never mind. My bad. Um, anyway, yes. Uh, Machac plays Verbinski. Winner faces Evan Furness or Alexander Muller. Who do you like here in Prague? 
Yeah, the 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 quality draw is actually quite a bit weaker than than in uh, than in the previous events. I think maybe someone like uh, Alexi Krute could get on a bit of a run. I don't Nava. know, but Mo- Nava, yeah, but he struggled against Jakub Mitsot. Do we know anything about this guy? Yeah, he's never never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. neither. It's it's like the first time I'm hearing this name. Um, anyhow, there's also something interesting to mention: the doubles draw is that Lukasz Kubot is playing this one. Uh, and it's his first challenger since 2013. Uh, in, obviously in, the, in, in doubles, yeah. Yeah, yeah doubles. Uh, in singles, it was like 2016. 20, yeah, yeah, but 2016 was probably his last matches in singles in general, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Anyhow, he, uh, he the, the, the main tour comeback didn't really go as planned. Three matches, lots of service breaks on, you know, on him. So he's also facing Drzewiecki and Matuszewski here. So a 75% Polish doubles match. Uh, quite interesting. And now we also know that we need to pay attention to Pawlaszek and Zelenaj. Because Zelenaj could be tying uh, Soncha to Ratiwana or the other Ratiwana brother whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, anyhow, back to the draw. I definitely don't want to go into the alliterative Germans at the bottom. And as you said, that that section is quite stacked. Uh, there's a very decent peak here, which I don't usually go for. I don't like top seats, so Altmaier kind of gets a skip in my brain, which is perhaps stupid again. Um, but I think I'm just going to go for... It, it, it feels weird to me that I'm going for this guy because I'm probably a little bit known for bringing him down and all. But I am going to go for Chunsi Tseng, formerly wow. coached by Dominic Kirbate, uh, who left him and then Tseng suddenly remembered what Kirbate told him and started playing so much better. <laughs> and I'm mostly doing that because there's three qualifiers in his section. Uh, Denis Novak is probably like the only big threat in his, in his quarter. Uh, Barranco Gosano isn't that... Uh, but, but Barranco Gosano is one of these players who Tseng usually beats, I think. Like, the just game-wise. Uh, I was thinking of Lucas Pui as well, but I, I think maybe that's jumping the gun a bit. I think maybe that's still a little bit too early, even though he looked fine in Madrid. Altmaier is also a, a very good pick as well. Yeah, so much disrespect towards Dominic Rabatti here. Unbelievable. No, I mean, I, I, I said... <laughs> he left him and all of a sudden he said it was sarcastic I mean uh, just no, basing this on what I said just based, you know if you read the transcript of this I, I think I actually praised Dominic Hirbato yes technically praised in, 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 in practice actually no I mean they're, they're still good terms he, he congratulated uh, Truth in saying on, on the title and everything um, and you know he he's the guy who he, he coached Klijan for a while. He uh, revolutionized Turkish tennis when he was there for a while. You know, brought up Celik Bilek and, and Ilkel and these guys uh, earlier on. So you know, he also, he also has this fantastic moment. I don't know why I'm talking about this. It's so random when he uh, at Wimbledon he played Federer and sat with yeah. him on the same bench during the changeover. But that's yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's really. really <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's obviously a bit risky because, you know, it, there was a 
it, it was a possibility that Federer would just say like, what are you doing or something? Get, get, get the hell out of this. But because they actually had a good connection, of course, this this, this just it's just really funny and maybe a heartwarming given a bit to, to watch. He was obviously He's almost out of the tournament. Also a, a talented golfer, I think. Uh, a golfer. Uh, but- Many tennis players seem to be talented golfers. Uh, I, I don't know how, how it works. Like why why this these sports somehow go together? I think maybe. Okay, this is this is a theory, and this this is a little harsh, but it's maybe because both sports are a little rich white elitist. <laughs> <laughs> Some, something like this golf perhaps even more than tennis i mean to 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 make it a little less uh a little more serious i mean they're just very uh very expensive to be playing simply yeah yeah as as as, as for kubot you, you mentioned him in the doubles you know where he last played doubles bratislava yes uh with with Cermak. They didn't do well, lost in the quarterfinals to uh, Gero Kretschmer and Jan Lennart Struff. Uh, look a bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. Their the first round was over Marovčak and Oravec, who were two uh, juniors at the time who never really yeah. made it. I don't remember these guys at all. I actually yeah. did look at uh, Lukas Kubot's uh, challenger records uh, this week a bit because I was uh, counting up who of Polish players has the most challenger titles. And it is him uh-huh. at 18. And it's not it's it's not a crazy score, obviously. Uh, he for the for the most of his career he played on the main tour, which is why it surprised me that he has 18 challengers. But the reason for this is that in 2008 he got nine of them. Oh wow! I actually cool. have to go back through these past seasons and see if it's like an all-time record or something. I have no clue. That that's insane. Um... Yeah, also looking at the season uh, in, in for Kubot in 2013, this this is the only challenger he played, mm-hmm. maybe as, as a favor with with Chelmark or, or or something. Uh, I'm not sure why else he would go there. I, I, I guess he was on a bit of, a bit of a losing streak, um, but that didn't really help the situation. That, that, that was the year that, that Continent won it. Um, yeah, that, that was that was a good strong year. Anyway, uh, moving on to who I'm picking here. It's you know what I'm gonna go the top seed. I'm gonna go Altmaier here. Uh, I, I I like the section Krumich in the first round. Give it to me every time. Foretek maybe uh, you know potentially a bit dangerous. I'm not super concerned though. Rodionov, Ofner, Blasti, and Hase. Give me give me any of them in the quarterfinal, and I'm quite happy. Tseng, yeah, Tseng is the one that I'm a little bit worried about in the semis for Altmaier, but we'll see. Um, yeah, yeah, boring. Yeah. But I, feel, I, I thought you might do that, and it's pro- it's probably the right play. Honestly, when I picked Sang, I think going for that Meyer here is, is probably the right pick because the, in the bottom half, it's just a pick. I'm really like that anyone can do it. Uh, I think the reason why Kubot played Pratislava in 2013 is actually much more pragmatic because he played singles in at the challenger too. So I think oh, that, yeah, was, yeah. that was simply the idea because. Uh, that was still when, like the, the yeah, the his season on the main tour basically ended with Paris, uh, Bercy, and then he played Helsinki and Bratislava. So uh, I think that yes, was yeah, just, he, yeah. He, he had a great match against Ungur uh, that I remember from from that yeah. from that year. Yeah, 
I think Ungur had a had a greater match than Kubot, but <laughs> because oh, yeah, it was yeah, a pretty yeah. big upset <laughs> and and she won yeah, in uh, three sets. Uh, yeah, the, the the match itself was a great spectacle. Okay, uh, it, was, it was a long time ago, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember that at all now. So, so can't really say anything about this. Uh, all right, I guess that's where we're gonna finish then. Uh, we covered four events. We previewed four events. I think the the times of five in a week are coming again soon. Uh, this was still extremely long. So thanks if you stayed with us all the way till the end. Uh, we're going to see you in a week to discuss uh, Prague, Split, uh, yeah, Tallahassee and uh, Aguas Calientes. And it's actually going to be a very good week for me to finally learn the spelling of Tallahassee. <laughs> because, I mean, I, I know how it's spelled, but uh, every time I write it, like uh, the word or whatever, whatever program I'm using just underlines it for me because I forget about, <laughs> about one E or about one S. Like it, it's really tough to f- remember of all of these doubled letters. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the double L, double S, double E uh, yeah. in Tallahassee. It's usually the double E that gets me, I feel like. The S is easy, but I think the, the E usually gets me. But after after this week, I'm probably going to be able to to, to remember it all. So anyhow, uh, thanks again. See you in a week. Bye. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric podcast from Cracked Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Dianca Babro. A huge thank you to both of them for their continued efforts for our Cracked Rackets team. I know I say this every week. I mean it every time I do. You're not going to find two people more passionate, more enthusiastic, more intelligent about everything happening at the Challenger level than Jakob and Damian. So again, we are so grateful for their contributions to our team. Of course, as I mentioned at the top, if you're looking for what's happening at other levels, in the tennis world, crackrackets.com is the place for you. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break Podcast, Correct Interviews Podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of our content. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at AL Gruskin. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos, and who, as always, has a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. A shout out to our friends at Turna as well. Remember, you can join the Turna team by emailing sales at you. UniqueSports.com today. With all of that said, for Crack Rackets contributors Damian Kust and Jakob Abro, our super producer Daniel Westoff, our friends at Turner, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.